Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Writer's Advice Podcast. I am here with another fabulous, fabulous interview with you guys, um, not with you guys, for you guys today um, with a fabulous author that you are about to meet. But firstly, I want to thank our sponsor um, for making this all possible, Booksprout. So Booksprout is my go-to platform when it comes to building um, your early reader list, so your ARC list, and getting your advanced reader reviews, which are so incredibly important when it comes to, literally when it comes to putting your book out there. People buy, buy, people do judge a book by its cover. So we initially get um, turned on by the cover and then we read a little bit of about the blurb and, you know, what we're emotionally invested. Yep, this story sounds right up my alley. And then we need to back it up by logic and that is where having reviews on your Amazon page or any or your Goodreads page backs up that logic for buying your book. So getting your advanced reader copies are very, very important. Um, make sure that you, yeah, check out Booksprout because they are my go-to service for using them. And if you're a writer listening into this, if you are working on a project right now or you want to get started on your first book, then I highly recommend going to Amazon or you can go to my website, oliviahillier.com and checking out the Writer's Journal. This is your new best friend, your new favorite little sidekick that you want to take everywhere with you to have the most seamless process when it comes to writing your story and getting all your ideas out onto paper before you hit the keyboard, but not only just getting them out onto paper, but having them all in one place. The writer's journal literally helps you go through your protagonist, getting to know them like there's no tomorrow, as well as um, your supporting characters. And then It asks you questions about how to really get the best out of these people and you're going to know them more deeper than anyone else, which really creates 3D characters. It also helps you create your world, whether that is a real world, a fantasy world, it is going to help you set it up so you feel like you are completely immersed and in that place so you are ready to write and then putting it all together into your scenes and into your plot, your chapter outline, and most importantly, it helps you put together a structure for how you are going to write, where you are going to um, dedicate the time and commit so it is realistic and able to fit into your lifestyle but also keep you accountable as well. And all of that is found in the writer's I was going to say the Writer's Advice Journal. It's not the Writer's Advice Journal, but it is for listeners of this podcast. It is the Writer's Journal by Olivia Hillier, crafting the story that you were born to create. Okay. That is all for me. That is all for me. Um, Otherwise, if you're looking for a new read and you love uh, young adult sci-fi fantasy, my new series, The Dark Side Chronicles, are out. It is a twisted series. It is a twisted sci-fi fantasy dark romance um, that explores all your favourite tropes of a completely fantasy world. We've got a whole new race in there that's kind of like vampires but something a little bit different, enemies to lovers. You've got a wild, the wildest love triangle that I have ever come across that I'm obsessed with it and I love these stories so much so 
um, book one is Black Blood. You can check that out on Amazon, on my website, and see what everyone else is saying on Goodreads as well. Okay. But, and that's enough about me and that's enough about what I've got going on. Let's dive into this week's episode of The Writer's Advice and our interview with this incredible author. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice Podcast, everyone. I am very excited because today I'm joined by Lexi Ryan. Now, you are a romance author and a YA fantasy author. And there's, oh my gosh, your, your books have just gone absolutely wild. And there's so much, so many questions that I have in, in both genres and, and your whole world. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, I want to know, when was the moment at the, like, when was the moment at the start of your journey where you're like, Oh yeah, I think I, I think I want to start writing. Like I think I think I might try and write a book. So I am like the biggest cliche because I'm that person that's like I've always known I wanted to be an author. Like since I first discovered, for me it wasn't um, oh I read a book and then I was like oh I want to write books. For me it was I was in second grade and I found a very little um, like palm sized notebook underneath my sister's bed. Um, it was hers, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I, what, what do you do with an empty book? You put a story in it, right? Like that's what my brain said, because that's what books are for. And so I started filling the pages with a story. And to me, that was such an incredible thing. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to put stories where there were no stories before. Um, and I wasn't like, I wish I could be like, oh, and then everybody said I was a genius and I had natural talent. It, that wasn't my journey either. Like I went downstairs and I read the story to my mom and she's like, okay. And like the heroine's name was Spam because I had my sister's had a good friend who that was her nickname and I just thought that was cool. So her name was Spam and my sister was like, that's my book. Um so it wasn't like, and I was never that kid in school that was like, everybody was like, oh, she's the most talented writer ever. I was just the one just like, no, I want to write. I, I'm going to write books. And all just like sheer stubborn will. Um, and I loved like, when I was in middle school, I would write these like teenage soap operas that just kind of open end on and on. And we'd pass them around English class and my friends would read them and then they'd ask me to include them as a character. And like, that was, if I knew I wanted to do it before, that's when I was like truly addicted because I love to share story. Whether it's like, I'm reading someone else's story. I want to read what people are reading because I like that connection that comes through literature. Um, that's why I'm like a pop culture junkie. <laughs> um, or or anything I create. You know, there are writers who are like, oh, I will write forever. I wish I could just take everything I wrote and put it under the bed. I'm not like that. I want to share it. Like to me, that's that connection and that sharing from writing is that that's what I live for. That is amazing. And I love that story so much. And I, I love how much you like open you are, especially as a, like, I feel like when we're younger, I, there's like less, 
um I don't know we're less maybe maybe we're less scared to share I, I don't I don't know but it's like that want to be like guys look at this straight away I feel like that's just like if that's ingrained in you I love that because that is just like that's just like the I agree with you it's the best part of story writing but there's so there like you said there are so many doubts that can come up in that process of like oh you know yeah. is it good enough etc I love how you said um I wanted to put stories where they oh, now I'm going to butcher your quote but it was like I want I want to put stories <laughs> where there, there weren't any essentially and I'm like yeah. oh god that is like that's beautiful that's a dream and that's what you're doing I love it I love it so much <laughs> now you said I wasn't the most talented but I had this sheer drive and will so from that moment in high school what was what was the journey like for you so I mean like all through school it was like I'd watch other people get recognized for their writing and I'd be like she doesn't even want to be a writer <laughs> so unfair <laughs> I'm the one who wants to be a writer, make stroke my hair, make me feel good. Um, But like I discovered romance novels when I was in junior high. And so that's when I was like, okay, not only do I want to write, I want to write this. I like the way this makes me feel. And I want to write this kind of story. And so I went all through, it's funny when I run into people who I haven't seen for like two decades, they're like, wait, you write romance novels? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow, some people don't change. Like, because it's like predictable, you know, it's like, that's what I wanted to do. And I just kept working until it happened. Um, so I went to college um, to major in writing. Um, and my mother was thrilled. You can imagine because she's like, what are you going to do with that? And now as a mother, I'm like, I totally get it. You know, my kids are teenagers and I'm like, just get a degree that gets you a job. And then, so I totally understand. But at the time I'm like, why can't she take me seriously? You know, respect <laughs> my dreams. This is all I want to do. So I graduated with an English major and um looked at my job prospects with that liberal arts degree and was like oh I don't really like any of these so I did what you do if you have a liberal arts degree and don't like your job options I went to graduate school um and I knew um at the time I started dating my husband my now husband when when I was 18 um and so by the time I graduated from college I knew that uh we were going to stay in town like yeah his family business is in town and you know we were pretty it was a done deal you know so I thought well if I just get my master's degree I can teach writing and I can like at the community college and then I can keep working toward this dream of mine which I just never let anyone convince me wasn't possible like I even once I was when I was working at the community college, which I did end up getting a faculty position there, which was a fantastic job. But again, I just wanted to be a writer. Um, you know, I had really well-meaning friends be like, listen, like not many people actually get to write full time. It's okay to like, just write and have your day job. And I'm like, yeah, but what I want to do is write full time. Like you don't understand. <laughs> So, and, and again, I get it. It is like a small percentage of writers who are this lucky. And I consider myself extraordinarily lucky, but that also like makes me work really hard because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I don't want to lose it. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was a journey of um, try, try again. I didn't finish my first novel until I was just out of grad school. It was like 2005. So I just finished graduate school. 
um, I'd been writing that book since like for four years, maybe five years. But it, honestly, it wasn't the same book as I started out writing. It was like, you know, the longer you write a book, you're more like, ooh, or it could be like this, ooh, or it can be like this. And really, like the piece you started with is not the book you ended up with. Um, but like that taught me a lot that taught me so much. One is that if I allow myself to, I will never finish anything, <laughs> you know, like I'll just keep toiling. Yeah. Um, and, and I have had to learn over and over again with revisions. Cause I am such a heavy reviser that there comes a point where it's not a better story anymore. It's just a different story. Um, cause at some point you got to smack my hands and make me walk away, which is why deadlines are important for me, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, before you're published, you don't have deadlines. You you know, you're working on your own hopes and dreams. Um, and then I was lucky enough to get some validation. You know, that validation I was always looking for as a child and uh, apparently didn't really need, but I thought I needed it. <laughs> I was finally lucky enough to get um, after grad school, after I did finish that book, I, you know, finaled in some um, pretty important uh romance author um, competitions for unpublished manuscripts. And so that made me feel like, oh, big things are happening. They didn't. <laughs> I was a Golden Heart finalist. Um, and at the time, mm -hmm. like, that was the big, like, indie wasn't really a thing yet because ebooks weren't really a thing yeah. yet. So being independent or self-published literally meant hand selling your book to everyone that you wanted to buy it. And I wanted nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, and so the golden heart was like this big thing that it's like, oh, if you can just final in the golden heart, then editors and agents are going to see you and they'll, they'll pick you up and nothing like that happened. I was writing romantic comedy when no one wanted to see anything but vampires. Um, yeah. <laughs> but again, I was just too stubborn. And I always like to give props to Kristen Higgins because I saw her at a Romance Writers of America um, conference. And I, I was a Golden Heart finalist. So every time people saw that on my badge, they'd say, oh, what do you write? And I'd say romantic comedy. And they'd say, oh, sorry, no one's buying that right now. Like, it was like a broken record. So she says, I've never met her before. At this point, I didn't know who she was. I never read her books. I think she had like one book out and was about to come out with a second. So she hadn't like catapulted to Kristen no. Higgins' huge fame yet. Um, but she said, what do you write? And I said, romantic comedy. And, she, and I said, and before you say you're sorry, I'm okay with it. I love it. I want to write it. I know it's a hard sell. And she was like, no, I wasn't going to say that at all. That's what I write. And I love it. And my publisher's behind me. And we think there's always going to be an audience for it. And, you know, like she was so encouraging and supportive. And then like a year later, I'm watching the RWA Reader Rita Awards online and she wins. And I'm like, I really need to, I still had her little chapstick in my purse. I really need to read this. She is to this day, one of my very favorite authors, but I'll never forget that interaction because I so desperately needed somebody to be like, yeah, you know, like it might not be the big hot thing right now, but there's always going to be a market for it. Now, if you don't know me and what I write, I don't really write romantic comedy, but <laughs> I thought I did and I was trying really hard because I came up like chiclet was really big um, in yeah. the early 2000s like we've circled back to the cartoon covers but the, that was like the thing for the longest time and they would throw cartoon covers on everything just to make yeah. it sell um so I loved them so I was like that's what I want to write and then I 
I found myself really. <laughs> um, I like to write books that have funny moments, but I don't write romantic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, so did you started it like you moved into India at some point? Was that right or no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I was with a small press and. I did like a, an anthology with a small press at the end of 2008. And then I published two novels with them in 2009. And uh, those were paranormal romance. And I quickly discovered that I was not going to be able to pay any bills <laughs> with that route. Um, you know, I was making, I think maybe off those two books. And I did a, a couple short stories for anthologies. I saved every penny. And that ended up being like my seed money for indie later. But I think maybe I made like thirteen hundred dollars. Now, if anybody's been with the small press, you might know that that's actually pretty decent money for a small press. Um, And that was just because they got on HSN. Um, They had these like bundles of books that they sold on the Home Shopping Network. And so I was only getting like two cents a book, but they moved so many copies that I was actually able to make a little money. Yeah. but I was, I had a full-time job. I was a faculty member at a community college. I had two children. Um, I, I love my husband and I like to see him occasionally. Mm-hmm. And it just, I felt like it, it wasn't worth my time. Like yeah. I, I couldn't justify the time away from all these things that deserve my attention. Yeah. So I was like New Yorker bus. So to that end of 2009, well, at that point I only had one child. So end of 2009 through 2012. I was hitting my head against the wall of New York. I had several published manuscripts. I was querying one that was called Text Appeal, like everywhere. And uh, Harlequin Blaze was like my last holdout. They'd had the manuscript for like two years. And I was like, you know, and and like you can't submit something else to them until Mm -hmm. they've responded to what they had. And so I kept saying, should I consider this a a, a pass? you know, not constantly, but every few months I follow up. Should I consider, no, give us some more time. Give us some more time. Well, by the time their letter finally came in the mail, everyone else had rejected this book. And um, then I get their letter in the mail and it just says, you know, we're just not sure that it fits. It's good, but it's not different enough. You know, the usual thing. Um, And I sat in my car and I cried because I felt so guilty for all the time and energy that I put into this dream and it wasn't getting me anywhere. And I like, I just sat there because I thought the right thing to do for my job and for my family and for everyone around me right now is to just let this go, you know, like just be okay with not being a writer. Yeah. But I didn't know how to do that. (laughs) I really, I just didn't know how, I didn't know who I was without that. I still don't know, you know, and I will speak to anybody who wants to listen about how important I think it is to have an identity outside of our writing and outside of our career, Mm -hmm. but it's still a really big part of who I am. And so at that point, it was the end of spring semester of 2012. And I had some friends who had been picked up by traditional publishers who were choosing to not get, renew their contracts. They were choosing to go indie because they felt like they worked way too hard and made way too little money. And I was like, well, if they're legitimate, because that's the way my brain works, you know, if New York says yes, then you're legitimate. If they're legitimate and are doing this, then maybe I can find some legitimacy in it too. Yeah. So um, of course I have these completed manuscripts. <laughs> so I 
set into self-publishing. I self-published Text Appeal in June of 2012, and it crept along very slowly. But um, I was able to hit the New York Times list with it in February of 2013 on a promotion. Um, I was running a promotion on it. And, you know, there were lots of buildings. Like I wrote some short stories that I set to free and kind of cannibalized with a big chunk of the text appeal in the back. You know, I did a lot of things some you can't even do now. Um, but to just find people to look at me, look at me, look at me, somebody please look at what I'm doing. Um, and so, and then I, I get, I think that we were a little, I was a little nuts because I was like trying to convince my husband, I need to do this full time. I need to do this full time because I see what's happening in the market. I have this new adult book that I'm going to release in May. It was called Unbreak Me and it's going to hit, it's going to hit right what people want. And I need to write full time and I will teach, I'll do adjunct work again. You know, I'd fought so hard to get out of the adjunct. Like uh, if you don't speak academic, it's like they pull you in, they call you like a visiting instructor, <laughs> but like most adjuncts have been there forever. Yeah. Um, and it's an excuse to pay you very little to do a lot of labor. Um, and I'd worked really hard to get out of that like rat race of adjunct work and get a faculty position. But I'm like, I don't, I don't want to spend 40 to 50 hours a week doing my faculty job. I want to spend as much time as I can writing and then I can supplement our income with adjunct work if I needed to. And then I released Unbreak Me in May of 2013 and it stayed in the Amazon top 100 for I don't like six weeks. Um, I cannot say I've ever had that happen with another book since and that's okay. It's a different market, it's a different world. Um, but it was just, man, I hate to say it, but I was right. Like I saw the market at the time, Amazon's algorithm favored indie authors, but it didn't favor exclusivity like it does now. So you Mm -hmm. could look at the charts and get a true idea of what people were downloading and what people were buying. And now the algorithm kind of messes with it. So it's not as easy to see you can still study you can still learn things by studying the market but it was so clear to me and also I wrote this new adult book what I'd done is I took a a book that I'd written that was like romantic suspense with some comedy that I just couldn't let go and I rewrote it as a new adult book I took all the pieces that I refused to let go and rewrote it as a new adult book and it was the way the story needed to be and it, it hit the market. And I also found, ooh, I kind of like writing a little angstier and a little darker and a little heavier subject matter. Um, so yeah, then I was indie until um, until the YA fantasy. I had um, New York come into my inbox. Um, I found my agent when the text appeal hit the New York Times. He came to me. I'm still yep. with him to this day. And then um, when Unbreak Me hit, I had New York in my inbox, two different publishers saying, hey, I'd like to work with you. Read this book. It was great. What's really funny, and this is so New York, I can't even, (laughs) one of them, I'll just, Simon and Schuster, bless their hearts, came to me. We love this book. If you ever want to work with us, let us know. Well, my agent and I decided to go out on submission. And I'm very lucky because I did get two very nice offers on Unbreak Me and then this uh, yeah, unpublished sequel. But Simon and Schuster, who had come to me, was like, we're going to have to pass. <laughs> so y'all just don't feel bad. Like they came to me and they still passed. <laughs> it 
it's just not unique enough. I'm like, that's fine, but what? You hit me up. No, it's just so, because nothing, you know, the, the cliche is you just need one person. You just need one person, but that's not true. Mm. When it comes to New York, everything is by committee. You don't just need one person. You need a whole room full of people to be cheering for you and pulling for you, or at least a few people who can pull rank. Um, So, and I, you know, I don't fault them for that. And honestly, it doesn't matter because I looked at the offers I was being given. I, everybody wants world rights. I knew that I had some foreign offers on the table just waiting. And I decided I was better off not selling to New York at that point. And, um, I, I think that was the right choice. And then um, we went out on submission with the, my Blackhawk Boys series a couple of years after that. And at that point, and I got an offer, but I was like, I can't justify what you're offering me when I know what I'll make in a month, you know? Uh, so at that point, I talked to my agent and I was like, listen, I still want to, I still want to go to New York when the time is right, but I'm not sure romance is going to be the way to do that because so much of the market is digital. I don't see the value add yet. Now, mm. it's not necessarily true now because there's been like quite the print resurgence in, in romance with TikTok and all. But at the time, I was like, I'm just not sure that romance is going to be the right move for me. But I'm not a never, I'm a maybe later uh, kind of person. So then when I had this why I fantasy idea and like was determined to write about magic and monsters and fairies. Um, I thought this is, this is when I want to go, you know, like this is, this is the time that it makes sense to me. Cause I want a hardcover deal and I want in those big book boxes and I want, you know, international fangirls. Um, I can't think small. It's like, it sounds so conceited to be like, no, it doesn't at all. Successful. But I like, you weigh what someone can offer you and what they can't. And I just felt like that was, it made more sense for the way I fantasy was traditional. So I was lucky enough to find a publisher who wanted to work with somebody who on proposal, somebody who had never written a fantasy novel before. Um, I'm sure my 20 page synopsis helped, but uh, <laughs> they're so terrible synopses. Yeah, synopses. yeah. Synopses. I don't like them. They are not fun. Uh, but I'm not a I'm not a plotter, so they're very hard for me to write. But yeah, and and I right now I'm doing the hybrid thing. I still do my romance indie, and I have um, YA duology out with Harper Collins, um, and another one will launch. Another new duology in the same world will launch next summer. So I'm kind of digging the the hybrid life now. <laughs> I have, I am obsessed with this whole story. Like, honestly, I'm just like, because everything that you've just said is like, it's literally just always backing yourself, right? It's like, it's, and you said, like, I sound conceited. I don't think in any way whatsoever, because it's like, you just have this friend, you had so many moments in that where it's like, you know, it's that breaking moment of like, I can't do this, but I'm sure yeah. that so many writers listening right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting my hand up as one of them. It's like those moments where you're like, oh, <laughs> like you're like, you you will almost want to give up, but at the same time, you can't. You can't help like yeah. characters coming through yeah. your head and you can't like stop that part of yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and, and I find that most writers write 
you know, like I always said, if I had given up, I'm sure I would have launched the blog of some sort, or Mm -hmm. I would have, you know, because again, I didn't want to just write, I wanted to write and connect through writing. Um, But but yeah, so we we have writers write and we find a way to put it out there. My daughter is currently like obsessed with fanfic, um, uh, Harry Potter fanfic specifically, like Draco and Harry fanfic. Um, and there's a lot of it out there, but I love it. Like, I feel like I look at her with the dreary fanfic and see myself when I discovered romance. It's like, I like books, but I wasn't that like obsessive reader until I found what I love to read. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't take the book out of my hands. And I feel like I see a lot of that in her. Like she likes books. She likes books, but she won't necessarily go out of her way to read and then the more of this dreary fanfic she reads, the more she's like grabbing, wants to grab more books at the bookstore. And um, I don't know, it's just fun. I always say if people think they don't like reading, they just haven't found what they like to read yet. Like they just haven't found their thing yet. 100%. And I th- and that comes back to like the, the start of your story, right? We like, no, I, I write rom-com. Like I write rom-com. And it's like, there's always, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you write, there's going to be an audience for it. Yeah. Like they, they, yeah. there are your, it's just finding those, those, that nation, those people, if it's coming out of you, that there's someone out. And that's what is so hard. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I I just, I feel like I've just been lucky again and again, because there are so many authors out there who are incredibly talented and unknown. And they haven't made a thousand dollars on their books ever, you know, and it's not because of lack of talent. It's because of lack of exposure. And so a lot of it is, being persistent and like not giving it like I'm gonna be here when it's my time I'm here um a lot of it was luck too you know I jumped right into indie as the 50 shades boom was happening and people wanted more sexy romance and I was like I have it (laughs) there were some people you'll talk to some indies who was like oh and then I threw up this book that I've written I've written and I didn't look at my dashboard and then someone told me I should and I'd I made $300,000 in the last three months and I didn't even realize it. That was, that's not my story. That's not, I like, I'm a little jealous of that. That's not my story. I had to kind of tooth and claw my way there, but I knew the audience was there. I just had to find them. And so, you know, I was pretty strategic about like, okay, I'm going to run this little promotion and do this little blog tour thing. So I get more reviews so that I can apply for this bigger promotion and then I took a chance on BookBub when it was small. Like now authors know BookBub's a great way to get traction and visibility, but BookBub wasn't really well known at the beginning of 2013. And I think that my contemporary romance, the category was contemporary romance, and it was a 99 cent deal. And I think that deal cost me $425. And it was my birthday gift to myself to buy that placement. And it was a huge scary thing to do but I was like they're not gonna ask for this if they can't show that they I'm gonna earn at least that back I just I just believed it I'm gonna earn at least that back mm-hmm. and that was the first time I hit the New York Times and I, I think it shot up to like it was in the top 10 in Amazon top 10 in Barnes and Noble I don't know if I had quite as good traction on Apple and that was like a flash in the pan moment right like it wasn't that wasn't what made my career but it gave me confidence Mm-hmm. It gave me some like tools I could draw on later when I had more books in, under my belt. 
uh, gave me my agent who has been so good to me. And man, I came up through RWA where they're like, if people come to you, that's a red flag. So I dragged him through it before I signed with him. I mean, like we had phone call after phone call. I spoke on the phone with his existing clients. I was like, I, and I had, you know, this is the way I work and this is what I expect. And, um, but that kind of isn't true anymore, which is kind of scary because when people, when I don't want to tell newbie authors that because there are a lot of scammers out there, the money should flow toward the author. Yeah. The only time the money doesn't flow toward the author, you guys, is when you are paying for a service, specifically a service of having someone create a cover, a service of having someone edit your book, but no one's service um, of representing your book should cost you money. The money flows toward you. They don't make money until you do. So, and you know, I'm really grateful that I had RWA to teach me all that because I don't know, maybe I would have fallen victim to it too because we do some, we can make bad choices when we're desperate for our dreams. Um, but yeah, so I, I have all these moments of like, oh, that was a turning point moment, but it wasn't like the moment, you know? Um, and I'm not sure I've had the moment yet. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, even listening to your story, it's like all of it adds up, right? And I think that's the most beautiful thing. It's like, I feel like we hear these overall stories where there is this the moment but it's like honestly there's so many moments of this it's, it's a, like the best journey ever and I, and I don't know if you like you feel that when you're talking about it now can you like look at back and be like hell yeah like I'm I'm here now I'm I'm happy with the way things are going I think hybrid's an amazing way to go yeah it's it, right now it's really great for me um yeah when I look back I'm like you know first of all I'm like whoo I got lucky <laughs> um <laughs> but, <laughs> Also, I just like my heart aches for that younger girl. I mean, I guess I was grown. I had children, but like in my mind, she's just a girl with a yeah. dream. And oh God, I just wanted it so badly. And honestly, I have it and I still want it so badly. But that like living with that fear that I'm, I might not ever get this thing that feels like it's so intrinsic to who I am. Like, how can I, how can I be this, but not have it, you know? And I, I've reassured myself many, many times with the fact that writers are lucky. We can, we can reinvent ourselves. We can break out at age of 65, mm-hmm. you know, like I had a nephew who loved football and he had a very short period of time where he could capitalize on that. And that was his window. And then the window closes. Well, I mean, you know, he coaches now, but like, he's not going to be a football player. Like that's not, you know, we're so lucky and we're lucky that we can reinvent ourselves if, if things don't go well. And we're like, you know what? I can't even write that thing anymore. Now I want to write this totally different thing. And I want to walk away from my old brand. Now I'm super lazy and don't want two websites or two social media <laughs> profiles to keep up. So I chose the same name, but I, you know, I could have, when I went to YA fantasy said, Nope, I want to start with a different name. It's going to be a different brand. Um, just for, you know, reader confusion alone. I could have done that. Readers aren't confused. They're like way smarter than we give them credit. for. I love I was actually going to bring this up because I actually love it when people change genres under the same name. 
because it's like to me it gives this like yeah I can one I can do more than one thing two it's like yeah I'm gonna be me under all these different you know place genres and it's my evolution and and you're so right I don't feel like I I feel like there's a lot of business advice of if you do want to move into two different names and any people do want to separate it absolutely go for it but I love that you need to at the same time it's not something that needs to be done yeah yeah well and I wasn't sure because uh, I do write sexy romance and so I mean they describe my YA as sexy too I mean it's it's a little a little (laughs) sexier than a lot of YAs but it's certainly not as explicit as my adult romance so I wasn't sure if they would even let me um but you know i I sold a million books. I, you know, like I, I'd worked really hard to create a name for myself and we were going to get some crossover sales from that. Um, I think, uh, I think they'll, you know, sometimes we, (laughs) I do this. I shouldn't speak for others. Sometimes I assume something is a rule or it has to be this way, or they won't let me do it this way. Mm. And I like, I box myself in by making those assumptions and if I just step back and ask for what I want, sometimes I'm surprised, like, no, your options are greater than what you assumed they were. A hundred percent. I love that so much. And I think this is also a really great thing for a writer too, because we're very like introspective people, I guess, where it's like, if you actually take that step back and be like, actually, I don't need to take this on. I'm going to try it this way. I'm going to, and like you said, it's like, it's the beautiful part of being, being a writer. I love that so much. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's probably one of the things I have to keep an eye on for myself. I mean, I do it like, even like, home renovations. I There's like this big thing about where to put the switch in for the, these new lights in my kitchen. And I was like, I don't really want it there. And I don't really want it there. And then I finally thought, well, why don't I just ask if they can put it where I really want it, you know, and they could, but I'd been so convinced that because it was going to be more trouble, it wasn't even an option. Yes. And it's just a switch. That's yeah. It's a switch. We do that to ourselves for our whole career. Well, mm-hmm. I just assumed I couldn't. I just assumed that since Amazon sent me the nasty gram saying that I don't have copyright of my own work that I wrote, that it was over and I had to let it go. I've seen people totally give up books yeah. because they got that from Amazon. And I'm like, yeah. no, just write them back. Prove that it's yours. You know, and we can, we're storytellers, right? Mm -hmm. And that does so much good for us. And we can see big things happening for us and it can be super empowering, but we can, we can disempower ourselves with the stories we tell ourselves too. So I think we sometimes have to be careful. I have to be careful for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. I think that is incredible advice, particularly like, yeah, when you are currently working in that brain state it's like to stop and actually you know question and ask yourself yeah you have given so much incredible advice throughout this whole episode I am so obsessed (laughs) but I do have a question now a lot of people listening in are writers readers etc but if there is a writer in the um trenches right now or they're like you know writing a manuscript or that maybe they're thinking about starting a book what would be your best advice to pass on to writers So I always give the same advice uh, because I really think that this is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. You need to read a lot. Mm -hmm. You need to write a lot. You need to analyze both what you read and what you write. And then most importantly, you need to persist beyond when all logic would tell you it's time to quit. 
And that is persisting before publication. It's persisting through the process of publication. It's persisting when the roller coaster of this career has you crashing down and you think, okay, well, had a good run. I guess it's over. It The persisting never stops. Keep persisting. And that's it. That's where the magic happens, right? Right after you would have quit. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And and it's like a testament to your journey that like I honestly I'm I'm so excited to see. I mean, I, I think what you've done already is absolutely incredible, but like what's to come is even, you know, I feel like there's so much more at the same time. Now, um, can you give readers a little bit of a um sorry, listener listeners and readers, they're listening right now, but you know, they're readers. <laughs> Um, can you get like give them a little bit of a okay cool if you love this head to this book here for me or if you love this head to this book here and where people yeah. can get that video okay sure yeah so if you love YA fantasy and think like sexy fae think uh, magic and monsters and betrayal then <laughs> you'll definitely want to check out these hollow vows it's a duology um but it's complete and then I have a, a new duology coming out in that same world. But the these hollow vows story is these hollow vows and these twisted bonds both available now. So you will not be left hanging. Um, if you like contemporary romance, I am um, my most popular series by far is the Jackson Harbor series. And that starts with the wrong kind of love. Um, it's a big family on the coast of Lake Michigan. They own a brewery together and each book tells the story of a different sibling. I come from a big family myself and I love writing big casts with big families and the things we sacrifice for family and how we can find love along the way. So the first one's like a runaway bride, mistaken identity. Her twin is pregnant with her fiance's baby. And so she runs away and pretends to be her twin. Um, And she's a nanny for a single dad who's seriously broody. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) It's so great. Oh my gosh. And where can everyone find you? LexiRyan.com. L-E-X-I-R-Y-A-N. That simple. And I'm on uh, Instagram probably more than other social medias, but I'm I'm around. Um, not on Twitter much these days or at the X or whatever we're going in now. Uh, but Instagram, Facebook, Lexi Ryan author. Um but yeah, and reach out. Uh, email is the best way to find me if you if you want to connect. Um, I'm not good at keeping up on all the various mm-hmm. social media messenger sites. So Lexi at LexiRyan.com. You can always reach me there. Perfect. And I will put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Lexi. Thank you.